Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with Brett Ramsey from Artisan Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we help retirees as well as those who are considering retirement overcome generic wealth management advice that limits your future. We do this by handcrafting customized financial strategies centered on your unique lifestyle. Jump on board for this journey where we delve into strategies that can help make your money outlast you as Brett draws from years of experience with guest experts to eliminate cookie cutter saving strategies. Welcome to Handcrafting Your Retirement with your host, Brett Ramsey, where we talk about what you want in retirement and how to make it happen. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Brett. Hello, Wendy. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm doing super duper. Super duper. Oh, I love that. Now, we have a super duper guest in store for us today, right? We do. This is uh, just a special lady that I think has a, a great story. So I'm going to introduce her in a second. But you know, I always like to start with a little bit of a story that I think our listeners can relate to a little bit. So I've had a bit of a funny story that I think will really connect with some people. So I'm very excited to say that I got my first and my oldest daughter out of the house. <laughs> it's wonderful. She started her job today. Um, but moving her out has been a bit of an experience that I think a lot of people um, just really relate to very well. So some of this, anybody that used to watch the the show Friends is really going to get a kick out of this. So my daughter in her infinite wisdom, as she was preparing to purchase her furniture for her first little apartment, um, decided to get it delivered to our house. Now, uh, where we live is about an hour and 45 minutes away from where she is going to live. And so as stuff's kept showing up and getting stuck in my garage, so I couldn't park my car in there any longer, kept wondering myself, who is the sucker that is going to have to lift all this stuff and carry it into her second floor apartment? All the while knowing that I would be that sucker. So, of course, the, the funniest piece of furniture was she wanted this couch. And it was a big couch. I mean, it was like a Ross on friends kind of big giant couch. And, uh-huh. and I had been to her apartment. It helped her kind of finalize her lease and that kind of stuff. And I was just thinking to myself, how is this couch going to get through the door up the stairs into her apartment? Now I'm thinking this, I'm a very positive person. So we drive in our little U-Haul uh, hour and 45 minutes to all the rest of her stuff. And I'm just thinking, we're going to leave that couch on this u-haul for as long as we can and then when we're going to get it in there i'm gonna have to break it to her that this is not getting in this apartment and so of course we did and uh, it was last thing and it, it barely fit through the opening of the door but then it got stuck quite frankly and jammed into the stairwell it was oh, not no. going to fit my wife and my daughter are pushing and pushing and pushing trying to get this couch to fit into a place that simply wasn't going to fit And so I had to be the voice of reason and say, stop pushing the couch into the stairwell. It's not going to fit. It is already wedged into the door, into the door frame. And of course, we had to back it out. The couch ripped. It was all really, really sad. But what I really want to point out to people is how quickly my 22-year-old daughter was able to pivot. And what happened was, as we put it back on the U-Haul, she already came up with a plan to sell it on Facebook marketplace. She didn't get, she got about 50 cents on the dollar for what she paid for it, but it was a great learning experience. And the reason why I tell that story is like, she had a great plan. And then what really made her mad about the whole thing was she goes, dad, I matched everything to that couch. 
And now that couch was not going into that apartment. But, you know, trying to do that is a little bit like, I mean, life and retirement, to be very honest, is we can have a great plan. We can pick a great couch. It can match everything. But sometimes it just doesn't fit and things change and we have to pivot and we have to come up with a new plan. And really, I think that is really Davida's story, right, is that she had a plan. It didn't really go exactly as she thought and she's pivoted and she's had to pivot a couple times. And so I'd really like to introduce Davida today and, and, uh, you can go ahead and just kind of introduce yourself a little bit, Davida, tell us just a little bit about yourself, like, you know, kind of where you grew up, where you live today, those kinds of things so that our listeners can kind of get to know you a little bit. Well, um, thank you for having me today. I appreciate the opportunity to share my story. I'm a native Hoosier. And growing up, we, due to my dad's employment, we moved around the nation. And I returned to Indiana my senior year of high school and have been here ever since. Um, my career has mostly been in bookkeeping and accounting. And um, I have really enjoyed a, a, a really blessed life. I had a wonderful marriage and a happy family. And so I feel like I've been a very fortunate person. Well, I know you, we're going to talk about your story a little bit more, but you and I had a chance to meet and you actually came to a class I was teaching. So what I'd like to start with is maybe just share a little bit about why did you want to even come to the retirement class? And I think, you know, you were a little nervous. I remember like your first night coming into the class was a two night class, but just share a little bit about why did you even want to go and take a retirement class? Well, um, it all, uh, what led me to come to your class was the death of my husband. He died at the age of 56 and we had not done any retirement planning. Um, he was uh, figuring on even a working retirement. He was a very physically active person. And so we had all these plans about how we were going to work in retirement and travel around the country. And um, when he died unexpectedly, I really felt like the world just dropped out from under me. I had originally planned to retire at the age of 72. And um, I thought, well, maybe if I attended this class, I'd figure out a way to start saving for retirement um, at my advanced age. I was um, 64, just turned 65. And uh, I I thought, well, maybe I can pull together some things and and work with the bit of a pension that I got from the state. And so that's what brought me to class. It was kind of a, a desperate move for let's see if we can salvage anything out of this. Right. And and I think that that sometimes that uh, I found that there's and I know this sounds strange, but there's usually two groups of people that attend the class. Right. There's a group of people that I call it kind of already think they have everything kind of organized and what they're looking for is just someone to affirm that they've done it right. And then there's a group that Davida falls into, which is a group that's like concerned that they're behind. I think you heard in her voice there that, you know, like, Oh, can I do this? How can I get there? And they don't feel like they've got enough uh, or there are the resources to, to do it. And so it's interesting The people in the middle don't seem to come to class. I don't know why that is, but the people on the two extremes come to class quite a bit. But one of the things that I think, and we're going to dive into this a little bit more, is, is that sometimes people at one of the extremes, and I put David in this category, really don't have a good handle on all of the things that they really do have. 
right? Because it's a little bit disorganized. So maybe you can just kind of share with our listeners a little bit. I mean, you told us a little bit, you said, Hey, I had a pension, my husband passed away. I know there's another element of this that we're going to talk about a little bit as you were dealing with some other family issues of trying to settle the estate of your, of your parents, but you know, just all the different places that you had things, right. And we had to kind of get them organized. Maybe you could share with our listeners, just that process for you of how that felt. Well, um, as you alluded to, um, a few months after my husband passed away, my mother also died and she was a widow herself. My father having passed away 10 years prior to her and my father, um, was very interested in investing and he had a, what I'd call a diverse portfolio. And, um, when he contracted Alzheimer's, my parents transferred those assets to my name in order to protect my mother. And so I, I really just let that languish. My mom, whatever my mom needed, she, I was provided for. And so the investment instruments that my dad had had set up just kind of stagnated, just kind of sat there waiting. So when my mother passed away, all of a sudden I, I, I just had the, the things that my parents had left to me and my two brothers. And I knew that their wishes were to split it equally between the three of us. Um, the one thing that was a, a personal thing was that my grandfather, my dad's father had been a banker and had bank stock. So it was pretty easy to just say, okay, we'll cut this into thirds and that'll settle that part. But then he had all these other um assorted stocks and um i believe there was a uh an annuity and i i just uh kind of a to me a mismatch of a bunch of different investment pieces that i wasn't really sure how to divvy them up fairly right well keep going uh, i think this is a, a a really interesting story that oh. a lot of people face <laughs> Well, so, and, and as the executor, uh, I also had to uh, create a tax file. And what really confused me about it was in the process of uh, turning over the, the assets to me, my parents had created a family trust, but none of the assets ever seemed to make it into the family trust. They were all still in my name, which I was very confused about. Do I, do I? use the tax number for the trust, the tax. So they created a, a, a separate tax identifier for the estate. So that kind of, since there was nothing going on with the trust, that kind of pushed that aside. So as, as I worked my way through the, um, the process of closing out the estate, I, I was able to work, uh, do a few things with some of the instruments, but then other things I couldn't even find who, who this company was or where was this um, originally, the stock originally from because they changed ownership. And I just felt really mired down by the whole process of trying to divvy the assets up. Yeah. And, and I know how much the, I mean, I'm going to clarify a couple of things for our listeners today, because I think this is 
one of the big things that we're working on at, at Artisan right now is helping our clients get things organized and, and put in the right place because D- Davina just did an amazing job of being diligent and getting these things done and taking care of her brothers the way that her parents had wanted her to. But it was her effort to do all that because so many of the assets and things simply, as she stated, weren't put in the right place to begin with. Right. So, I mean, I just remember the files and the things that you were going through and all the paperwork, you would come in with these big stacks and we would try to work through it a little bit as much as we could help you. But, you know, we weren't responsible for those assets either. So there's certain things where we could point in the right direction, but we couldn't make that phone call for you even because we weren't the advisor on the, on the account and we, we weren't you know able to get that information. And so we, we talk about this process and we call it the family love letter, but it's this idea of, of getting all of these documents organized for the, the people you care about, because what your parents didn't ever intend, you know, they, they tried to do a lot of the right things, like you said, with creating the trust and stuff like that. But if the assets don't get put in the trust, if the paperwork, what I call it, doesn't get finished and put it across the, the finish line. I mean, how many hours do you estimate you spent just organizing all that information? I mean, it was, I mean, I, I can't even begin to guess. What do you think it might've been? I can't even begin to guess either. It was it was months of effort that right. I applied to this. Right. Uh, and it was, and, you know, and, and really ultimately it was only your, what I call integrity, if I'm not mistaken, because all the assets ended up in your name. So there was nothing other than your integrity to share with your brothers. Right. I mean, you yeah, technically I, could have kept all of those things. There was no, do, no legal document that forced you to distribute that money out. No, everything was completely in my name, but. I knew my parents' wishes. Right. And so that's why I think this is such an important story to tell is that you did it amazing. You did it right. You did all this work. You took care of the people in your life that, that you know, you knew that what the intent was. But this is what happens so often is when things aren't titled correctly, when things aren't moved into the right places, it puts one family member, what I call, in a jam. Right. And you spent hours and hours and hours of your time working on it. And like I said, at the end of the day, I hate to say it, if you would have really wanted to be selfish, you could have just kept it all. Right. Um, and and that's I, I want people to hear how like frustrating that was for you. I mean, just tell them a couple of the phone calls that I know that you had to make to try to figure this out. I mean, just share just the details of some of those efforts you had to make to find some of those things. Well, I, I did have, I mean, not only phone calls, but letters and um, proof of what you had. And I, I felt like time after time, I was led up a dead end street. I pursue one avenue to try and determine where the, the investment piece was, and it was the wrong company, or they had changed hands, or they couldn't help me. They were really sorry, but they recommended that I go here, and then I'd go someplace else, and it was another dead end. Oh, um, there were a couple pieces that were particularly difficult, um, and I, I was just about ready to throw up my hands and say, we're just going to have to 
lose this piece because I couldn't figure out what it was. Mm -hmm. And so fortunately, there was something in that that um, you found um, as an identifier and we were able to get it cleared. But that was months and months of back and forth and back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you, you kind of throw into the mix and uh, you'd mentioned the bank stock. And I think for our <laughs> listeners out there, they, they might not understand exactly what kind of bank you were the owner of. So maybe, maybe you want to share with them just exactly what that was like for you. Well, it's a small town, privately held bank. And uh, my grandfather was a director of that bank and um, had lots of stock in it which was passed to my father, who also was, who was an only child. So he just held on to it. And, um, and of course I split this three ways, uh, me and my two brothers. But uh, I remember you telling me that it was, I was a little heavily invested in this one piece. And uh, this has stuck with me, Brett, that um, there's no room for sentimentality and investing. Yeah. <laughs> so um i i've i've taken that to heart it's uh it's been a, a journey on that end yeah and just to share with our listeners a little bit one it was it was a small bank but it's privately held and so this is not that unusual where people a generation or two generations ago especially in smaller communities where either there was a real estate holding or, or a business that they invested in and and now the question is like the value of it was significant and we're not going to put the dollar amounts out there but if i remember correctly when we first started this process that may have represented over half of your net worth right it was a big portion yes. and i i can't sell it or trade it any day that i want because the only way we could liquidate it is if somebody else quite frankly in that town wants to buy those bank shares. Right. That's and so, right. you know, the, the process of just even listing them and selling them and, and all of that was not like, we're not like on the NASDAQ or the New York stock exchange here. We're literally on the, what, uh, in the small town in Northern Indiana, right. That, you know, with, with one bank in it and uh, we got to figure out who wants to buy it. And uh, so that's why I, I, you know, we talk about diversification a little bit and what you talked about is, and trying not to, you know, it was a great asset. I'm glad that you had it. And, you, you know, through the years, I think you used the income that it had produced to help pay for your mom and in, in care and things like that. And so it, it had not been detrimental, but this is an example where, where people get stuck on something like that, where they own so much of one thing. And then if it value, if that value drops or it, you can't liquidate it when you need it, right? It can really make people feel like they're wealthy, but then when they can't get rid of it in time or can't get rid of it when they need it, they don't, they're not as wealthy as they think because those things can dry up pretty quickly. We were fortunate. We were able to kind of do that over time, but I, I just remember how, um, that was one of those ones for me where I was just like, holy smokes, that's a lot. I was like, that's a lot of value in, in one thing. And and it, whether it was, uh, you know, Eli Lilly stock around here or something like that, it was very, very similar. So, but I, I know that was one aspect of it was just dealing with all of that and getting it all organized. And then right when all that was happening, there was another curveball kind of thrown at you uh, with your job. So maybe you could kind of just share with, with our, our listeners a little bit about what happened there for you in terms of, of how your, your job situation ended up. Well, um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I had planned to work till the age of 72. 
And um, Brett did say that I might want to reconsider that number because so many times people's health doesn't hold up as well as they anticipate. And so you're not able to do as much in retirement the longer you wait to retire. So I'm, I'm thinking this over totally unprepared to retire. And then my employer, because of um, the COVID pandemic, decided to offer a very generous retirement package to those of us that were eligible to kind of um, ease the crisis for them financially. So then I'm, I'm faced with this, well, I, I'm eligible to retire. I've got this great offer from my employer. I guess I'm going to take the leap. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. Well, and I know that when you called that decision did throw you for a loop, right? And so now <laughs> you can look back on it and, I, and you know, our, our listeners won't see it, but I can see the smile on your face. But I remember you you didn't dislike your job or anything. If I, I remember loved correctly. my job. I yeah. really did. I love my job. And plus it was uh, my security blanket. I felt, oh, could I possibly survive without my salary? Um, I what am I going to do with my time? Uh, everything I'd planned to do in retirement was uh, based on what my husband and I would do together. And he was no longer around. And it was a, it was a huge concern making yeah. the decision to retire. Yeah. And, and so it just wasn't the money, right? And I think that's the part that I want our listeners to understand is there was, I think if I remember though, there was really only one thing about your employment you didn't like. It was the not the location of the work, but didn't it force you to live somewhere? Yes, it did. I had to um, live in the same county as my employer. That right. was a requirement of the job. And um, I had a lovely home and nice big property. And it was exhausting trying to keep it up by myself. So it was kind of tying me to um, a place where that was beyond my comfort level. Right. And so that was, that was another, um, kind of show to, yeah. Take and so, time. you know, I think that it was like, okay, there was a nice offer, right. Cause it made it a yes. little softer landing and, and gave you some time. And then I think they even, uh, if memory serves correctly. Didn't they let you kind of consult with them for a while and, and kind well, of, well, you have a really good memory. Yes. They, uh, um, my employer, found my services valuable enough that they hired me on as a consultant for a few months to help the transition for another person to take over my duties. Right. So, so that also gave me a, a little bit of, um, I was a more of a part-time situation. So it gave me a taste of um, free time, but right. not all dumped in my lap at once. Right. And I, and I think that really helped you, didn't it? Right. Just it really not did. Cause you just went through a lot. I mean, well, we just talked about all these things happened. What in like under a two and a half, three year period of time. Right. That's correct. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, uh, it's a lot harder than a couch, not fitting into a stairwell, right. When things don't fit quite the way you think they're going to, right. You know, and you just talked about those plans and, yeah. and so um, this could be, I think a little bit hard to, to, to talk about, but I think it's the, it's important. Right. And I'm going to share a quick story um, about my own family to help kind of, I think, I don't want to say ease this, but this is hard. Right. So my mom passed away when she was 48 
right? Very unexpectedly. And my, my dad and my mom had this grand plan, right? And it just changed. And so, you know, how do we as people adapt to that change, right? And one of the things that, you know, I, I, once again, this is what I'm trained to do, but I had to just share with my dad over and over again about like, you know, hey, don't make too many changes too fast, right? Because it's not healthy for us. But at the same time, sometimes we don't get to choose which changes we make, right? Because they kind of come at us pretty quick. So we got to be ready. So, I mean, we're just talking about like your times. One of the things I talk about in the class all the time, and and you might remember this, I said, okay, so I always ask the question, how many hours a week do you work? And and what was that answer before you decided to retire? Uh, 45 to 50 hours. And that's the answer I get most of the times, 45 to 50 hours. And I said, all of a sudden, if you had 45 to 50 hours a week, what would you do? And most people look at me and they come up with this list. And I said, okay, are you doing those things today? Because if you're not, and all of a sudden, tomorrow you have to start doing them, right? I call it practice. Well, you didn't get a chance to, to practice much, but you got a little bit of practice time. So maybe just walk us through how you started thinking about your time and, and just, you know, like you said, all the plans that you had made before included your husband who was no longer with you, right? So how have you just kind of navigated that? I know that's got to be challenging. Well, for me, what, uh, what I thought about was what I missed, what was missing. Um, I, when my husband was alive, we had uh, a lot of physical activity going on. And I, I missed using my body, I guess it's the only way I can describe it. I spent a lot of hours sitting in a chair in front of a computer. And so I, um, I decided, well, that's something I miss. So I'm going to look on how I can restore that. And I've been able to do that with a couple gym memberships. And, uh, and then I thought, well, I have a dog and I, I, if, if I could find some kind of volunteer thing where my dog could go with me, then that'll be ideal. So I explored a couple things and I'm uh, now a delivery person for Meals on Wheels and he goes with me. And, and so I'm glad to do that. I also um, moved. I decided to, I needed a smaller, more manageable place with not uh, so much acreage to take care of. And I moved close to a a lifelong friend of mine who's also a widow. So I kind of found myself a little partner um, to try other things with. I also uh, joined a couple groups that travel. So I've experimented with a little traveling with me and my pet and my friends. So I, I think the first thing I really did was think about what what I missed and how I could recreate that feeling. Yeah. And not everything was a success, but I did find some winners. So, yeah, well, that's the key, right? Is that you don't have to win at every single thing you try. You just got to find a few things that that you really enjoy and, and it fills your time. And so, now you've gone through all of this change in the last handful of years, right? And literally sounds like what we've covered here would be like a decade's worth of stuff, but it's only really been about three or four years. And, um, you know, when I know just uh, if you could share one thing with somebody that was scared like you were that first night at class, like what would be the piece of advice that you would give them 
for someone who's like not engaging in the process that keeps putting it off or is worried about it? Maybe what's that one piece of advice that you would give? Don't be afraid. Just take a deep breath and open, open your attitude to what's out there because it, it, in spite of the fact that you don't know, you can't know all the answers, but you can have faith that it's going to work out. Without the information, you can't make any decisions. So you've got to know the information and move on from there. Yeah. So you just got to start, right? You got to get That's that. That's right. Get your yeah. feet wet. Get your feet wet. And then, so one of the things I like to say is, you, just get, you know, uh, I always like to encourage people when they've attended a class, I always meet with them for a free session, right, to start with. Because, like, if people will take the time out of their life to get educated, to learn, then I can take an hour out of my life to just answer more questions for them. And so that's just something that I really think that people, uh, they sometimes I don't know if they're embarrassed. I, I hear over and over again, oh, I don't have enough or all of these things. But the answer is you don't know what you have most of the time until you kind of get organized and kind of start writing it down. And then I remember you kept being surprised that, Oh, I didn't realize I had all those resources. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden all these other things started falling into place and and then you're boom, you're retired. Right. Yeah. And, and so how many years I remember, and I, I'm not going to age you completely, but I remember you said, Hey, I thought I was going to retire at this age. So how many years earlier than that, did you end up retiring? Five, five, five years earlier. Right. And so I think people that'll take that step, get themselves educated, get themselves aware of what's available. What they're getting is not more money. What they're getting is more time right? We get to move that time back on your side of the ledger, right? So you can control it a little bit better and know what those trade-offs need to be. Like, where are my uh, choices? Like you were saying, even your husband thought it was going to be like a semi-working retirement. All those things are, are possible, but we got to know where we are, where we would like to get to so that we can put that plan together. And there's going to be pivots. There's going to be, you know, like I said, there's going to be couches jammed in the doorways and we're going to have to make some changes. But what I think Davida's story tells us is that, is that when, when those things come at us, if we can get grounded in what we have, where we're at, we can adapt to them. And now she's taking that dog all over the place and doing all kinds of things that she never thought maybe that this is what she'd be doing right now. That's absolutely right. I had, uh, I had no vision for the life I'm leading now, and um, it's worked out beautifully. I really, you gave me the best advice, the absolute best advice. I'm so grateful for it. Well, that is Davida's story, right? And so I think there's going to be more chapters in it, but uh, I'm so glad that she was able to spend some time today and share that with us. So thank you, Davida, for com coming on today with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, a much continued successful retirement to you. Uh -huh. Thanks, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out what they need to find out? Well, we're teaching classes, not exactly like the one Davida did, but all the time. And they're on our website. So go out to that wonderful interweb place out there and look us up, Artisan Wealth Strategies. You'll find us. And then on there, you can see the events that we've got coming up. You can register for those or get on my calendar directly. And I would love to spend some time with you and help you figure out your story and make sure that you're able to, to maybe put five years back on your side of the ledger that you didn't think was out there.
And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to Handcrafting Your Retirement. Visit our website at www.artisanwealthstrategies.com or give us a call at 317-660-2855. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Artisan Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.